You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number 207. I must say, I've been looking forward to this uh, for three or four days, given part of the conversations that Martin Blake and I had on last week's show. What? Hello, Blakey. Hello. Lovely to see you. Hello, Andy. Great to be here. What do we call that? Is that like a reverse moz? Or Some something? people stayed staunch. Some people I, believed I'm a, I'm in Rory. You, know, you I, jumped off. That's oh, okay. Come on, mate. Come on. <laughs> you jumped off. You single-handedly turned his career around. <laughs> you are the person. Forget about Pete Cowan, the, the legendary coach. The Rory whisperer. For those people who didn't hear last week, Andy did write off Rory McIlroy. I beg your pardon? I, 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 How dare you say that? I threw it up. <laughs> I must admit, I threw up the, the idea because he turned 32 last week. Right, yeah, and I must admit, I did throw up this idea that you know <laughs> what, what has happened to Rory, and your commentary was around you know it's never coming back. I didn't, that, that's say my that. memory of it. How dare you? I'm the only person in the world who tipped him to win at Augusta. Now, that that came back to bite You're me. You're a month early, that right. came back to bite me clearly. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Shiloh Curtis is going to join us, female engagement, senior management, Golf Australia. So, a lot to talk to Shy about, particularly in light of your column, which was a terrific read, I must say. Uh, to, uh, Thank you. For, forgive me if I get the title on, but time to get rid of the L word. Yeah. When I saw the headline, I thought, what's he, is he trying to talk, get rid of lip outs? No more lip outs. Uh, no more, number of, no uh, more lost balls. No more left. No there, more. There are a number of options thrown <laughs> yes, up was. in that area, some of which I won't mention. But no. uh, yeah, so I did do a column talking about the use of the word ladies in golf mm. and how we should be saying women if we're doing it correctly mm. in, a, in a more modern Vernacular, and it caused caused a lot of commentary on social media. Well, it's where times are changing, and which Shiloh will talk about yeah. later. Yeah. And it reminded me, uh, I don't know whether you listened to Wayne Persky a couple of weeks ago, but I did. Yeah, and he was talking about the changing um, definitions of the tees. Oh, you know, yes. Just have your coloured tees. Don't take men's, intermediate, ladies. Play on, off a handicap. Yeah, just yeah. just have your playing off the blues, well, the whites, the reds. It's yeah, the, standard well, of play. No yeah. gender, no age, no talent, no nothing. Just if you well, want to play off the blacks, you play off the blacks. And if you want to play off the reds, yeah. you play off the reds. Simple well, we, as that. We do need to talk about all those things. We do. Yeah. We do. So we'll talk to Shy when she comes in. Uh, Jenny Brown-Hazy's caught up with her. She's uh, on the board at Nyunga Park. Golf Club, they are the Visionary of the Year winners for 2021 or 20? Uh, for the month. For the for month, April. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so Keep sending those in too, folks. Uh, mm. People who are clubs and people in facilities who are doing good things for engaging women and girls in the game. There's good Ray Drummond vouchers, you know, given away for... For the winners, and there'll be a big visionary of the year award later in the year. Plus, there's going to be 12 times a year on a show like this and on various other platforms, there'll be recognition for the work that you're doing. And I think golf clubs and any organisation likes getting a bit of a public pat on the back for things that they're doing that are good. So um, we'll get to that. Been a pretty good week for Australia around the world. A huge week coming up in the lead up to the PGA Championship. So there's a load to get through uh, in the next uh, little while. But let's get to Rory. Um, the, How good to have him back, isn't like it? That. Well, you don't realise what you've missed sometimes until until it is gone, and then it comes back. And uh, it was a joy to watch him do what he did. Uh, it was wasn't quite vintage McElroy because he had to dig a bit deep, and his scrambling was the thing that got him over the line. And it often is when he when he's playing well. He's 
Well, he hit it in a mulga on the last hole. He did. He? He, was he did. Two in front, for those people who didn't watch it. He was two in front coming to the last hole. Quail Hollow, North Carolina. There's a, a sort of a babbling brook type arrangement mm. that goes all the way straight down. Really it's miserable. Down, it's a miserable. The, it's a funny sort it of is. A, a setup down the well, 18th you can hit, hole. You can flush the drive straight down the middle and you're in, uh, and you're in a hazard, which I've yeah. never quite liked that as a, as a design notion. But Yeah, well, you know. uh, so he hits it into the hazard or penalty area, as they like us to call it. Mm. Not in the water, but just in a horrible rough. Mm. And his caddy did him a lot of favours. Harry Diamond, his, his caddy of recent Great years. Great teamwork. Yeah. Uh, so Rory was thinking about trying to knock it up towards the green. But we're talking about, what are we talking, six inches deep? Right? Oh, it was, you couldn't yeah. see it. It was ankle deep. O- yeah. Over your yeah. feet. Yeah. And he ends up taking the penalty drop, goes to the nearest point of relief uh, outside the... The uh, hazard, and then hits it on the green. He's still got two putts for the win, which he duly does. From, from about 45 feet. It was no gimme that two putts. It so. was not. Even, no. even the last one's sort of two and a half yep. feet. But, yep. uh, you know, he was very relieved, wasn't he, Andy? And one thing, I, you know, Rory hasn't won since 2019, which is incredible for him. He had dropped out of the top 10 in the world. He hasn't won a major since 2014, which I find extraordinary. Yes, yep. We've got the PGA coming up next week where he's already won at Kiowa. In North Carolina, he won it there a few mm. years ago. So um, I just thought it was interesting in some of his commentary afterwards, Andy, the the fact that he acknowledged that the crowds really drove him. Because I don't know whether you, you could hear the commentary or the uh, the sound at the end when he putted it in mm. uh, last week, but it was Rory, Rory, mm. Rory. He's the number one draw card in golf now that Tiger Woods is not there, isn't yep. he? Yeah, globally. He, he's the number one. Yeah, on both sides of the Atlantic, he is, he is gigantic. And in a Ryder Cup year... Pretty important that he gets himself back in the sort of nick that he needs to be in. So there's a lot of reasons why this is good for golf, not just good for Rory McIlroy, I reckon. I've always thought he yeah. uh, he rode off the crowds, and you'll you'll hear him talk about this in a moment. We've got a bit of Rory McIlroy straight after winning uh, in Quail Hollow last Sunday. Talked about hitting the hard reset button. How satisfying is this win in the place where it all began? Yeah, um, it's never easy. It's never easy to win out here. Um, it's felt like a long time since that victory in China back in 2019. You know, the world is a completely different place than it, than it used to be. Uh, everyone getting through a pandemic. Um, life's changed a lot for me, being a dad, winning on Mother's Day, thinking of Erica, thinking of my mum back home. Um, oh, it just feels awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, this is one of my favourite places in the world and to to, to break the drought and to, to win here again, uh, it's it's awesome. Let's just talk about these crowds for a second. You told me you are your best when the crowds are out in high energy. How important was it for this pro Rory crowd, by the way, to keep you going throughout today? Yeah, it's, um, it's just awesome to play in front of these people again. I, you know, when we went, came back from the pandemic, uh, I thought I'd enjoy the peace and quiet a little bit, and I, I soon realized that to, to bring the best out of myself, I, I need this. And uh, I feed off the energy so much, and um, you know, maybe here more so than anywhere else, just because it's, I think it's the first place I've won three times. Uh, so uh, the crowd has just been awesome all week, and you know, they really carried me through today. So there you go. I mean, that, that is, you love hearing that. It shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, we talk about other ballistic sports and the fact that, um, you know, sports people say they can feel the energy and they rise to the energy and all. It shouldn't be any difference in a game like golf. And yet, Tigers often used the energy yeah. of crowds to, 
and he's drummed it up and so have others. But that was a really interesting insight for Rory. And, you know, he's had, as he said, he's had a lot go on in his life. He's become a dad. Uh, there has been the pandemic. Um, he's, you know, he's been separated from family and home, you know, the, the, the family home um, often and for long duration. So there's been things going on in his world that have shaped um, his total environment. Um, and if you're not 100% happy and if you're a bit concerned and you've got other distractions, you've got other good and bad things on your mind, then it's it's no surprise that maybe this has led or contributed to him not performing on the golf course the way we've become accustomed to seeing him. I did touch on it last week in my very excellent commentary about Pat Rory <laughs> before you absolutely canned him. He's hitting a cut off the tee now. Yes, which he, well, that's important. He used to hit a raking draw mm. uh, by preference and nearly all the time. Uh, he obviously can hit a cut and he's gone to a cut, which uh, is something that he and Pete Cowan have worked out. Uh, he wants to take one side yep. of the course out of play and just keeping that, keep hitting that. And he said he's, you know, he said afterwards he was he's sort of getting used to it. And he's still, I think he was number two in driving yeah, distance. This is what he doesn't so need he to worry. It. Yeah, he doesn't need to worry about that extra 10, 15, yeah. 20 yards. He doesn't yeah. need to. Very many good players hit left to right shot, mm. you know, as, mm. a, as a preference over, over history, haven't they? So, mm. um, you know, that, that big sling draw looks great. You know, with the ball tracker, or if you yeah. happen to be standing behind him, it looks fantastic. <laughs> but uh, this is something he's gone for. So you know, it's it's great to see him back. PGA Championship next week's gonna it's gonna add a lot to that. Just to see how he how he goes at Kiowa. So you mentioned he's back inside the top ten. He's back up to seven. Yeah, he'd missed two of his three previous cuts coming into this. So that underlines the sort of form and. Yeah, you know, kind of in a short term, Frank's the reason that they'd been, you know, oh, his stand, yeah, yeah, concern and all the rest of it. So, he's he's. Well, we mentioned his scrambling. I, I didn't write the number down, but it was something like he was forty five from forty five from inside six feet. He he just was absolutely. I don't think he missed cast off. No, feet. he didn't. All so week. no, no. Yeah. So that that goes through, and he has been on occasions. He can get a bit pushy and pulley on that sort of short term part. He's not, he hasn't been rock solid on that in, for various stages within the last five or six years, certainly since he won his last major. So if he's got that back under control and he's taken the big miss, he's taking the big miss um, out of the equation off the tee, well, hopefully we're about to see the next phase of the great McElroy. And probably you touched on last week that he was pushing, you know, he's pushing, you know, a player of that, of that quality when he doesn't win, it starts to you know, grade on him a bit. And, uh, you know, now that he's got that out of the way, who knows? Like, yeah, he, he could he, win three or four in a row. Yep, yeah, he could. And so we'll, we'll watch with a great deal of interest. He's not turning it up. I don't think he's playing Byron Nelson this week. In fact, I'm almost certain he is. And so, no, he's um, not. No. no, he's not. So, did you, just quickly, did you hear about what happened to DeChambeau? Bryson DeChambeau. No, go on. <laughs> he thought he was going to miss the cut. So he jumped on a plane back to Texas where he lives. Yeah. I think. From what I understand, like two and a half hour flight, something like that. So he jumps on the plane. He's two or three, three shots, I think, outside the cut, he said, when he left the course. <laughs> the the tournament this week's in Texas. So he wanted to go home and get, get prepared, you mm. know, start his work for the next tournament rather than hanging around in a place where he's not going to play. He made the cut. The cut line the, changed. Because the wind got up and it became pretty tough. So he found out <laughs> late late on Friday night, He find, he's home in Texas he finds out that he's actually made the cut on the number. So he's got to get a private flight and get back there by, and it's an early, he's got an early no, tea time on the Saturday because right. he's only just made the cut. Yeah. So I think he had no sleep at all. He ended up flying into, uh, you know, uh, Charlotte, 
North Carolina at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. or yep, something, and yep. then straight out to the course on the range and plays. And actually played pretty well. So first tournament, the Warriors won three times in his professional career. Uh, Australians, Cam Davis was the best of the Australians there, I think. I'm right in saying I haven't written, actually, that's really poor of me not to have written down. Cam where, Davis tied 26, yeah, Andy. Yeah, yeah, so Cam, Cam got picked up 50 grand for that. He's, he's a money-making machine at the moment. He just can't get the win. Um, they're hard to win, as Rory said. They're hard to win. He's playing at the absolute top level, mm. and he's playing well. He just—he's very consistent. I'd just love to see him have a get, you know, get up close or have a win. It'll come. Yeah. Uh, one who we have been when we spoke to him, I reckon must have been—I'm going to say three years ago. We we uh, the name Maverick Ancliffe was starting to emerge. He was doing stuff over in China. One of the best names in golf. It right? is one of the best names in golf, and he—he he was. Just racking up. He won about... He won three times in, in a, one year. He won multiple events yeah. in a row, I reckon. He had this incredible streak in China. So yeah. we, we got him on and we had, a, we had a bit of a chat to him. He was a really laid back sort of character and loved everything about him. Well, his star is well and truly on the rise. He's finished um, second over in Tenerife. European uh, tour? Yeah, he's, he is a really composed, complete... There'll be a, there'll be a level... There'll be a ceiling that he reaches, and that'll be his. Mm. He hasn't found it yet. He's, he's only only twenty eight, mm. and uh, shares the same hometown as Jason Day, coming out of Bow Desert, just north of Brisbane. Okay. Yep. And uh, look, really good to see him just continue to improve. Yep. Um, he was beaten by a very good player. This kid, this kid out of South Africa, the lefty. Garrick, he got. Oh, he is a very good player. That's two wins in three weeks yep. for that. Guy. Uh, he's he's been, only twenty one years old. Have you watched him play much? Like he's no. a fan of him. No, this he's, he's there's something. You Gonna just be a superstar. Watch him play. There's something. If you get a chance next time the tally's on and he goes in contention, he'll become now a real feek, a real focus slash feature player. Watch, watch that. Space. Yeah, he's worth watching. And he's uh, a beautiful player. As for Maverick, look that. That is going to go a long way towards securing his card mm. for next year, just with other other results there. So, I think the British Masters this week. It so, is. Yep. Uh, I presume he's playing in that, and uh, is. Yep. you know, he's just his star is is rising. Just watch out, watch out for Maverick. Six Australians teeing up there. Well, I just want to mention that later, a bit later on. How many Australians there are, and I don't know what the jet the field field in Japan looks like this week at the time of recording the pod. Uh, there's no obviously LPGA Tour event this week. Uh, and there's no Australians playing in China. Uh, but on the major tours and the sort of secondary tours around the world, there's 31 Australians teeing it up around the place this week. I mean, yeah. Australians are all over the place. They are representing themselves and, and us by extension of that all over the place. It's well, Hannah Green was the other one. Magnificent again. Tied, again. tied seventh and, and was only a couple of shots uh, from, from winning yep. in Thailand. I mean, she was, she was right in it up until... I'm going to say two holes to go. I think she, in fact, she bogeyed the 17th hole she on the last day when she was still right there mm. uh, and only made par at the last, which was a par five. But prior, prior to that, she was right in. And I mean, it took a 63 by Aria Jutanagan, who is unbelievably good to watch. She really is. I'd recommend she, anyone, if you if you want to watch some women's golf and you haven't watched much before, have a look at Aria Jatanagan from Thailand play. It is phenomenal, Andy. The shot she hit into the last hole, the par five, along, you know, some sort of mid to long iron uh, onto the green is, is just magnificent. She's just got so much power and so much finesse. She's just got uh, great uh, sort of... Charisma about her. She yep. was a couple of years ago. She was clapping opponents. She does it all the time, Blakey. Yeah. This is, yeah. if next time you watch her, just watch her in. If she's in the background, 
of one of her playing partners and they make a you know good putt or something. Just watch her. She is absolutely invested in what her playing partners are doing. It's a, it's a breath of fresh air to watch her play at this level. She's superb to watch. Mm. And uh, look, Hannah Green, second, third and seventh in yeah, her, nice. her last three starts. She's gone so close without getting the W. Um, it's got to be coming soon. I did have a quick look at the world rankings this morning. Uh, she stayed at number 13, which she mm. was last week. Mm. Minji Lee's dropped to 12. Yeah, so we, just, we could yeah. have a new Australian number one very soon. Just hope she's um, not, yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah. she's not getting frustrated because she, she's yeah. clearly playing well enough. And all of the all of the commentary out of her and you know her own assessment of where she's at, she's, she's obviously in pretty good nick at the moment. So um, you can play, you can play as you and I know, uh, long-term watchers of this game, there's plenty of players who have been in good form for a long time and they don't get a win, and you just got to well, ride that wave. Well, I think Hazy's theory is that you've got to take advantage when mm. you when you're up close. Um, uh, David McKenzie, yeah, he was the other good one, wasn't he? On the, the Champions Tour, yeah. tied six, picked mm. up ninety five grand there. Rod Pampling was fourteenth as well. Uh, so yeah, bits and pieces of Australians going going quite nicely. We haven't had the number of wins this year that we had. We had an exceptional year last year. In fact, mm. early in the year before COVID hit, we were absolutely on fire as Australia. But, uh, you know, this year, not quite so many wins, although Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman obviously won, yep. the, won that team's event. But uh, uh, it's been – they're hovering. They are. They are. Yeah. They are. Um, just one little before we um, get to a break and Shiloh Curtis joins us. Um, DJ is out this week. Um, a statement was released. Yeah. So um, – and he was incredibly apologetic. He's got some, you know, sponsor commit, uh, connections down in, in Dallas and he always likes getting down there and – he was incredibly apologetic about missing out and not being able to get down there. But that's got to be some concern. I mean, if it is a legitimate, and I'm not for one minute questioning yeah. that it isn't, but but if he's got a knee injury a week out from um, yeah. a major championship, that's got to be some concern for the world number one, not, doesn't not it? Not ideal at all. No, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Did uh, you see who came in in his spot as the alternate? No. One G Chalmers. Is that right? This week, yeah. Oh, well, that's Greg a great. Chalmers. That's a great result. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good. That's good news for him. Um, let's get a break out of ways. A whole lot of other stuff we'll get to later on in the show. Shiloh Curtis, female engagement, senior management, going to join us on the other side of the break. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Welcome back to the show, uh, Shiloh Curtis, great friend of everybody here at Inside the Ropes. Female engagement, senior manager, has been good enough to join us. In the wake of Martin Blake's uh, highly read column last week, time to lose the L word in golf. Hello, Shy. How are you? I'm terrific. Uh, really good. And it's a good conversation to have today. It's a fascinating conversation to have. And we've been speaking about this for a while on this program. You know, golf Australia and, and golf in Australia has been uh, very, very keen to open the game up and make it more inclusive, encourage clubs to do what they can. And some clubs are probably more active in that area than others. And, you know, you can tell us all about that on the way through. But Blakey's column last week. So before you talk about it, Shai, just tell me about the column, uh, Martin, and and some of the reaction you got to it. So, look, that was distributed on uh, Golf Australia channels, but really it was just my opinion, first of all. So I'm not – Golf Australia is not saying – Clubs mm. have to do this. It was just me. It was a Blake editorial. It was just me. Good. Um, but it's something I believe. Like what I basically said was we shouldn't be referring to, to women's golf as ladies' golf because a lot of clubs and even some of the professional competitions refer to ladies. They have a ladies' open or a ladies' mm. this or a ladies' that. And at a lot of clubs, you'll have ladies' competition for the day or ladies' locker room. 
we've got to get rid of that if we're serious about uh, engaging women and girls to play golf because it's old-fashioned language. It kind of speaks to privilege, which is probably the worst way that golf could go. Uh, it's it's the equivalent of calling the men's comp at your local club the gentleman's mm. comp for the day. Mm. Mm. And if you look at other sports, and this was all in the column, you can read it at golf.org.au if you dig down deep enough in the news section. The W League Soccer, it's not the L League, uh, the WNBL Basketball, the WBBL, yeah. the Big Bash for Women in Cricket, you know, NRLW, yeah. AFLW, AFLW yeah. you know. Yeah. We're not going to the Tokyo Olympics this year with a ladies team. Yeah. It's the women that are going to represent it. It's a much more modern word, and in the sporting context, it fits much better. Now, we're not going to – a lot of – it brings out the ferals these days. Oh, of course, it's, it's a so challenge, yeah. I got, I got emails – and Shiloh, thanks for your support on this. I got emails from people saying, well, what, what can't I use the word ladies? Well, of course you can use the word ladies. I'm not banning the word from everything. <laughs> I'm just saying that in this sporting context of golf – Women is a better word, and if it helps us to engage another few women and girls to play golf, then surely we should be looking at it. And I just wrote it for the uh, the reaction that it would get and to get people talking. Shiloh, why is it important? Well, I imagine you endorse what Blakey's points are. Why is it important? Well, I think what I do endorse is getting your language right, mm. because language is important. And how you choose to refer to people says what you see, what you hear and what you value about that person and also what you respect. And let's just take it back another step and imagine, you know, I've got a bit of a weird name and and people mispronounce my name all the time. But imagine if someone knew what you like. I think you've got a lovely name, by the way. Thank you very much, Andy. I appreciate that. But imagine if if people knew that you like to be called something and you didn't like to be called something else, that it made you... It made you feel not very good yep. if people use a, an ordinary nickname. Um, and you told people that, but they still they still referred to you in that way and didn't call you by your proper name or what you preferred to be called. What you're saying is, I'm choosing to not respect you. I'm choosing yep. to not see you. I'm choosing to not value you. I don't, I, don't, I don't hear you. So language is really important. How we refer to each other says a lot about what we mean. And, and language historically has been used, not just historically, unfortunately, but has been used to denigrate, berate, oppress and marginalise people and not just individuals but whole sections of the community if you think Mm. about the words we use for you know the indigenous community for Mm. people living with disabilities for the lgbtqi community we're all on a bit of a journey around sort of evolving and getting a bit of an upgrade to our language but language is super important even before we get to women and ladies um i think we've got to acknowledge that language is powerful because it says how we respect people and how we value people so i think that's the starting point for me and I think if we talk about um, uh, the power of language to speak to masses of people, what we're trying to do in the game of golf is trying to re-engage women back into the game. And James Sutherland made a really good point last week in the office that golf used to be a mixed-sex sport, uh, and now it's not. Yeah, it used pers- to be what football and rugby and cricket weren't, and now we've gone the opposite. We've kind of done this huge backflip. We've, we were a mixed-sex sport, and we've become – a, ma- a male-dominated code. Yeah, I think How in the, the 70s it was 35% or something. Yeah, 1970 yeah. it was 34% club yeah. membership was female, but it was always now seen 20. as a mixed-sex sport. Women have been playing golf longer than every other sport. You think about how long, you know, when the women started playing in the Himalayas over it in Scotland all those years ago, like women have been playing golf way longer than any, mm. than any sport that we probably can consider. So how do we go from being a mixed sex sport? How did women become irrelevant or not seen or not heard or not valued, not spoken about? Now they're barely 20% of our club membership. So we've got this issue we've got to address. 
And we need to make sure we position the game in such a way that um, women feel seen, heard, valued, mm. respected, mm. spoken to directly. Mm. And what we say when we say, when we use the word ladies, if we think about the historical connotations of that word, think it right now in your own heads, the mm. listeners in your own heads, take a moment. What does that imply? And even as a girl growing up, um, not very good at being a ladylike girl growing up, but you know, the commentary was always, oh, you need to be a lady, yep. ladylike. ladylike. That's not yep. very ladylike. Yep. Yep. That was always an aspiration and there was that element of privilege and common if you weren't like a lady. So it was all this kind of, always this kind of privileged aspirational piece, but it also implied that women were frail and needed protection Mm. as well. And so we start to use this language, a very old fashioned language. And what we do is we don't actually speak to young girls who don't aspire to be ladies Mm. anymore. They aspire to grow up to be strong, empowered women. And we don't speak to women, younger women, middle-aged women that do identify as strong and empowered. And we also don't speak to the older women who also identify in that Mm. way. So I think we've got to get our head around language. It's not just, oh, it's just, you know, you know what I mean? No, actually it's it's respectful. So Shiloh, you've been living in this space for a long time. This is stuff that People, you and I are both in our 50s. We're white men in our 50s. And for most of our, certainly our adolescent life, we would never have been challenged to think about this. This was not... Well, a lot of men a, don't care. No, they don't. A lot of the... So what have you found, what have you identified, what have you learnt, what have you seen as a result of you writing this, this, this column? Um, mixed response. You know, a lot of men saying, why would I care about that? Okay, fair enough. But... Really, you should, but if you don't, well, it probably just shows how selfish you are. Uh, a lot of women saying, great. Uh, I got one from a, a woman at Anglesey Golf Club in Victoria who said, this is really well put and mm. I've been pushing for this for a while. As another lady at, uh, or a woman, I just said lady, another woman at, uh, called Betty McGuinness at uh, Bunanyong Golf Club in Western Victoria or near Ballarat. Um, She's been pushing this issue for a long time and very happy to, to read it. You know, I just hope clubs start start talking about it. My yep. sister's the president of a women's committee at a golf club here in Melbourne and she's going to raise it with her her club. And, you know, but I don't know, Shiloh, whether they, you know, it, would clubs need to, if they did want to do something around this, is it easy for them to do it? I presume that it doesn't necessarily require a change of constitution or anything like that, or even if it is, they did, they might want to do that. I'm um, not sure on the governance on that, but if you are mm. changing the wording in your constitution, which, and I'm sure lady is throughout mm. the constitution, particularly yeah. in reference to the, where the, the lady subcommittee or the women's ago. subcommittee is referenced to, yeah. they may need to do that. But I think uh, philosophically it's about, we want, we would like clubs to really consider if you go, if we want to market the game, genuinely market and reposition the game. So it becomes a mixed sex sport again. Um, in the hearts and minds of the average person in the community that will therefore consider golf as an option for them. We need to make sure it speaks to every woman and girl out in the community. And unfortunately, using language that can be divisive or only may speak to a certain cohort in the community, we're really cutting off our nose to spite our face, aren't we? But at the end of the day... It's stubborn. It's just stubborn. Yeah, it it can be. But I guess it's also... We have to also have some empathy as well for people's journeys and history. And and there are people, older people in the community that were brought up to think... And men especially were brought up to refer to women as ladies because it was a respectful thing, like opening the door and things like that. And that takes time. I think we've got to respect that... You know, uh, over over time, and there's been significant socio-cultural change over the last 50 years in particular, but people have been gendered and cultured a certain way, and you have to give people time and space to really get their head around it. That's why these kind of conversations mm. with your audience today are really important. And I, 
congratulate you both for sort of talking about this. It's important. Give people a space to go on the journey. But, you know, language is really important. It comes down to uh, basically it articulates the value and respect you feel for a person. And we got to make sure that we speak to everyone in the community. In the end, Andy, it's, it's not up for me to say what they should do. I mean, I can say, oh, I think you should do this, but it's it's their decision. It's mm. club's decision. One that we didn't mention was the WPGA in Australia, which mm. changed from ALPG. Uh, so they took the ladies out. And Karen Lyon has spoken out about that. And, and said good that, on her and good on yeah. them. And it's, but it's, not, it's not the... It's not our role to tell you know to make the clubs do stuff like that, or even Shiloh's role. It's it's their decision. But what you'd like to see was them to have a chat about it and talk about it and see what they think, and to be proactive in exactly the space that Shiloh can, spoke can, about. Just can before. you tell me how and through me other men who can't find their way through this, the difference it makes. Can you in in two young women to women, not just young women. Can you tell me why it is important to those who want the L to go and the W to take its place? I don't think necessarily that it's, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I think that the L just doesn't, of ladies, the word ladies doesn't speak to all of us. So it's an old, it's old world. It's, it's having women, putting women in a place, having having them in their spot, in their place. Um, it, it basically, it, 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 the, you know, as a little girl growing up, you were told to act like a lady mm. and, and there, there was certain etiquette around, there was a certain etiquette expectation around that. There were rules and constraints, you know, to sit a certain way, how mm. you played, how you carried yourself, the airs and graces. And even today. This is how you're supposed to be. Absolutely yep. growing yep. up. This is how you were told you needed to yep. be. You needed yep. to fit in this little niche box. And even for today, I was sort of Googling some stuff around this, some commentary. And I found some websites still that talk about how to become a lady. And they were quite uh, modern. And it was fascinating, all the rules and constraints, you know, seen and not heard, but have your mobile phone on silent in your handbag and, you know, always be look really good. Your appearance is always so important. And it just, again, like women are just so, growing up, we are so constrained by these social rules and expectations around us. And ladies, the word lady is wrapped up in that for us. So let's list free women and girls to be mm. whoever it is they want to be. And if you want to refer to yourself as a lady, go right ahead. But I think we have to come back to this case around the, the business case for this. Mm. The game of golf for women and girls in Australia is dying and we're trying to fix it and we can't fix it if we don't reframe and reposition the sport. So it speaks to everyone that every woman every woman or girl in the community can look at golf and go, there's a place for me in there. You know, this isn't just... I mean, you, this is not just pitched at men, by the way. No, this not whole at point. All. There was a... I, I won't mention the club... But I heard a story recently of a um, prominent club member, male cl- prominent, prominent club member, had taken a young woman to his club who was interested as a visitor, who was interested in becoming a member of that club. Single-figure handicapper, potential pennant player, terrific player. She turned up younger, in her 20s, turned up wearing some clothes that, it was, that were deemed inappropriate by a senior member of the uh, women's committee who saw her on the course and said, that's not how we dress around here. If you're going to come and play here again, uh, you, you need to do this and that and you can't do that. Uh, the, the male she was playing with is a single-figure handicapper and knows what he's doing. He thought there was no issues with the way she was dressed whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So we need women to buy in on this as well. And there is a conservative – there's a very strong conservative 
thread that does run through a lot of female committees at golf clubs that they, as much as we're thinking it's the blokes that need to hear this message and change, there's a lot of women at golf clubs who are equally as challenged by the notion of these discussions. I think there's a lot of change that um, is happening in our, in our world um, and it's happening really quickly and I think sometimes it takes some time for some people to get their head around that, particularly our, our older community mm-hmm. who probably experienced more change in the last, in the second half of their lives than they would have absolutely in the first half of their lives. And, um, and I have enormous respect and empathy for, um, for our older community. And they are the majority of our, our golf club members that are uh, 64% of our female golf club members, uh, of our golf club members, uh, sorry, the average, age. average age of our female golf club members 64, is sixty four. Yeah. Is sixty four, and yep. so we have to respect that there's a certain uh, older community um, and expectations around that. I guess the challenge uh, that I would put to the golf community is that um, we need to make sure that there's something that you leave behind, that oh. there's a legacy piece that in your time as golf club leaders, whether you're a women's committee leader or a club committee leader, under your leadership, um, under your care and your custodianship and you know, what are you going to leave behind for what comes after you? And if under your leadership you lead for now and your current cohort of people, the women that you play amongst and what they would like and prefer and the men what they would like and prefer, that's fine. But op- often that's in the complete opposite of what younger women and girls currently would like or future golf club members would like or need to get into the game. And so if they don't evolve the game as as they lead it now – they're going to leave not much behind for the next generation. And so the question or the challenge I put to golf club leaders, male and female, uh, what I, the question or the challenge I put to them is what's your legacy piece going to be? What are you going to leave behind? So the game um, is, is available and relevant and serves the needs of the broader community. So people want to get into the game. One of the other reactions I got, Andy, and I'll ask Shiloh about this in a minute, was about uh, the use of the word female, mm. which uh, a lot of women uh, who play golf and get involved in golf, uh, they don't like the use of the word female in certain contexts as well. So uh, can you explain that one, Shiloh? I, I, I don't quite grasp it, but um, I'll do my best. Yeah, excellent. Well, yeah. number one, it's grammatically incorrect. Right. If we use, oh, the females are out there playing golf. It's grammatically incorrect. So female is a descriptor. It's an adjective. It's used to describe um, a species, you know, or an element of a species. And so you it, can be the female engagement Correct, because it's a descriptor yeah. of the engagement senior manager, mm. but um, or of, of engagement. But it's grammatically incorrect. What female implies? Female and male implies reproductive capability. Um, it doesn't imply um, what your actual gender identification is. And so, yeah. So for one, if you're using it as a noun, it's grammatically incorrect. Mm. So number one, no, uh, number two, it implies yes that um, that there's a reproductive capability, but it's not relevant to human beings. It's a female human being is a woman and you can have female cats and female dogs and female, I don't know, whatever else. But, you know, when we describe a female human being, she's a woman or she's a girl. Mm. And, and what you do if you use the word females is you dehumanize that person. So if you say, I'm going to have a hit with the females, what you're doing is you're taking away their humanity in that sense. The other thing is makes that total sense. When you use the word, uh, often, sometimes as well, again, the power of language, to you, you often use to, um, to berate or discriminate against people. It can be used in a really attacking way. Oh, the females, you know, or, mm. you know, or the males, 
you know, I'm going to play golf with the females or they're hitting off before us. Well, it, again, it's used in that really derogatory way. So there's not a lot of respect in that language. So what I would refer, you know, what I would recommend people do is, yeah, use the word women and girls. Mm. It's an extra couple of Safe words, but, you, you know, like. and it's grammatically correct. Yeah, yeah. But are you still going out to clubs? Are you still FaceTiming clubs? Are you still getting out there and if they're open to these conversations, they want to learn a bit more? There's obviously a whole lot of data at golf.org.au they can access. But are you still going out and talking to people about this sort of stuff? Um, obviously, COVID sort of shut things down a little bit last year, but we do have uh, obviously our network of staff at Golf Australia, community, uh, sorry, clubs and facility support managers, yep, yep. as well as our regional develop- development officers here in Victoria. Um, in Victoria, we also have a female engagement manager here, Megan Carr, who does amazing face-to-face work with our yep. Victorian clubs and then our interstate colleagues all around Australia who do similar work supporting golf clubs. Uh, we're running an even par program, which is a club education program, four-part workshop series that, that we've rolled out in Victoria. We're now rolling that out in, in the north and the south of Tasmania with our colleague Simon Weston, which has mm. been fantastic. And that, that program um, holds clubs' hands as they go on this journey to learn about what are they doing well, what areas do they think they can they can do a little bit better in. And and I think there are genuinely a lot of clubs that want to do this work. They just don't know how to do it. So our role is to, to, to help them out. And, um, yeah, absolutely, they can contact us for support. And we've got Nyanga Park, the people from Nyanga Park, who won the Visionary of the Month or the, the, the April Visionary of the Year Award. Um, we do have to tell these stories, don't they? Because clubs, a lot of clubs, Andy, uh, they want to do something yep. in, in relation to engaging women and, and girls, but they don't know what to do. And that that's part of, part of the job of Shiloh and the people that work with it. But we do have to speak out about, that's why we will have Nyanga Park on today. Good, looking forward to it. Hopefully it inspires other clubs. Jenny yeah. Brand, yeah, and we yeah. do want to hear from clubs that are doing some great things, bringing some innovation to the game, tell their stories, because the most effective thing is I can get up and I can speak to clubs, but clubs will ultimately say, and I find this fascinating in sport, Andy, you know, um, through our football networks, you'd think about this in a footy context, you'd never hear this in footy. We don't want to lead, we want to follow. If you can get the club down the road to do this, oh, will really? then do that. Absolutely. And I find wow. that fascinating in golf. So tell me a footy club that doesn't want to be the leader. No, no, no. So that's what we want. We yeah. want to tell the story. Golf clubs want to hear from other clubs so they feel safe enough to do things a little bit differently than they've always done it because our history and tradition in golf is so in, wow. holds us back a little bit. So we want to hear from clubs that are prepared to lead um, because your stories help us. Um, share that with other clubs, um, those clubs that aren't prepared to, that need stories from other clubs to follow. And that's exactly what Visionaries is all about. And Yanga Park is actually a cracking story. I love it. Well, there's a lot of takeaways from this, and it's always good to have you on the show. But you mentioned before, you know, the custodial responsibilities of people who are running any sport, any organisation, in this case we're talking about golf and golf clubs, the numbers are there for us all to see, 35 percent of club membership, 34 percent of club membership back in the 70s, down to 20 percent of club membership being women now, um, that's heading in the wrong direction. So Vision 2025, we've spoken a lot about on this show, was the starting point. You've got a lot of work to do and we will always support you here on this show. So good luck. Keep going. No, no, fantastic to have yep. um, yeah, great men walking alongside us as we as we do this work. It's, it's something, it's, it's good for everyone. Gender equality benefits men and women equally. So we want to make sure that, uh, yeah, it's good to have men on the journey with us. Lee, don't follow if you're out there and you've got a position of authority or um, significance at your golf club. Make a, make a change for the better. Uh, Shiloh Curtis joining us on the show. Jenny Brown is going to join us from Nianga Park. On the other side of this, you're listening to Inside the Ropes. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes.
Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Mark Hayes joining you for this segment, and I have a very special guest. As uh, our regular listeners will know, we've got a an annual prize that's called the Visionary of the Year Award, and we have our April winners, the magnificent Nianga Park Golf Club in uh, Central Victoria in Bendigo, and I'm joined by Jenny Brown from Nianga. Welcome along, Jenny, to the program. Good morning, Mark. Thank you. Yes. You guys must have been thrilled when you won that award. I know it's not all about awards, but it's a good recognition for what we're about to talk about, isn't it? Yes, yes, and it's terrific of Golf Australia to be promoting and encouraging us to try and move with the times. So you better walk us through. What's your position at the club and and how has it changed over the past few months? Okay, I'm the uh, women's captain and I've held that position for nearly two years. Prior to that, I had been part of the ladies or women's committee and I guess my role has changed in that we have changed our constitution and we now have just one group of people, our board running the club, of which we have a men's captain and a women's captain on that board. So this is the whole thing, isn't it? And this is why Nianga Park has ostensibly won the prize, which I should mention is a $500 Drummond Golf voucher, which is awesome, and a chance to win $10,000 if you're the national winner at the end of the year from the Callaway River product range. Uh, but it's all about the way the club attacked an age-old problem, pardon the pun, uh, of, of adapting, let's say, Jenny, maybe a stale constitution. Would that be a fair comment? Um, look, and again, I've... I've I've only recently retired, so but yes, it's my understanding that we had only ever had one constitution and it was written perhaps um, seven or eight years ago when, when golf clubs had to become incorporated and it had not been looked at in that, since that time. So it was, yes, yes, it needed to be revisited. And so one of the main changes, Jenny, please correct me if I'm wrong, is that you, you put some gender-specific roles in there and it, it, it enshrines into the club's constitution the way forward for both men and women. Yes, and, and, and I think um, that's what I, I think what we've done where we have three reserved positions for women, including the women's captain, three for men, including the men's captain, and three positions open to any gender. So it's not, from my point of view, it's not just for women, it is for all members of the club to ensure that we are all being heard and are all being part of running the club. So, and that's really important, isn't it? It's 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 to progress the club into the future as, as one big unit rather than segmented, I guess, fractions of the of how it used to be. Yes, well, that was I was on the the women's or the ladies committee, and I had got myself elected to the general committee, and it seemed to me that we should have all been working together. Like we, I would go to a general committee meeting and then I would go to a women's committee meeting and we, it was as if we were not not necessarily on the same pathway. So it didn't feel like one club. It felt like different segments of, you know, group different groups on the one property? Well, well, it, it just seemed to me that United, we could we could be far better for the club than sort of running in, in yeah. not necessarily two different directions. Both committees were very useful, you know, did, did a good job. But it was really important. I would hear something at one meeting and then hear something different at another meeting. And I just, uh, uh, many of us felt like we needed to be a united group. So, Jenny, whenever 
large scale change takes place. And I, I read with interest that this came about because of the roadshow, the Vision 2025 roadshow yeah. that Shiloh Curtis and others did on behalf of Golf Australia. That, um, it, you know, there are, it was met with some opposition as it always is going to be when change happens and not, not potting anything or anyone at Nianga Park. There's an element of all clubs that holds dear to tradition and, and opposes change. Was that the case in, in Bendigo? Um, yes and no, in that, look, most most of our members were will, will go with the flow, if that makes sense too, that mm-hmm. so long as the golf club is well run and golf can be played and our facilities are good, most people are very happy. But we do, we do have... We do have some who think that we should remain traditional and that we should run things as we've done in the past. But many of us, well, not many of us, but there are a number of us who see that we have a large number, well, sorry, over half of our women members are over 70 and they're wonderful and they play and it's fantastic, but we've really got to be thinking of the future and be looking for younger players. And was that met with any, you know, horrendous opposition or were the, or the, were the oh, women? Oh, no, 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 no. Everybody welcomes new members, but there was a little bit of a feeling, well, they should just go like we've always gone. Whereas many of us understand that if we're going to keep working people interested in golf, we've got to be a bit willing to modify and change things as well. Yeah. And I'll say this so that you don't have to specify Nianga Park. It, it, it's... Um, common around the the clubs and facilities of Australia that uh, the membership is aging. That's no, that's no news to anyone. But if we continue down that path, the ability to attract a a younger audience diminishes. And that's the key aspect here. I would have thought Jenny, that had you not started to act now, the critical mass of women involved in the club and just the club's health generally is, is in jeopardy. Yes. And that's, and that's being, That's being evidenced even more this year. That, uh, like, we run a little nine-hole competition um, amongst our eighteen-hole competitions, and we are getting more and more people doing that because their health is like they can no longer walk the eighteen holes, etc. And so, we really do need to be modifying what we're offering and ensuring that we're replacing ourselves. If that makes sense, like we we won't have a we won't have many women members if we don't actively recruit, encourage, and welcome new members. Yeah, and I ask, I encourage everyone listening to this to think about how that is at your club, and if if you are looking around and you're seeing the female membership in particular getting uh, a, a little, um, I don't know how to say this politely, but a little older, uh, it, it's imperative to not cast traditional values on this, Jenny, because. Uh, the the future of the club might be working nine to five um, at the moment, and might be working Monday to Friday, or they might be working shift shift hours. You know, all sorts of things that make it impossible to, uh, I guess, keep the traditions of golf clubs alive. So it 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 is critical to do this. I, can I talk a bit about the history of Nianga Park, Jenny? It, it's a it's a I would say a very progressive club. Um, you and I spoke before we started here, uh, both former members of Eagle Hawk Golf Club nearby. Yes. Um, look, there's different pressures come on different clubs for different reasons, but Nianga's really taken a step forward in central Victoria where other clubs haven't progressed that that uh, down that path. Why, why do you think that is? 
Sam, that's, that's really interesting too, what you're saying. Like I went to the, uh, the, the Toddling Road show that you referred to and um, it was really, really interesting to hear those ideas of just little minor things that could make us more appealing, as in we used to always have a 10 o'clock start, which perhaps cut out working, you know, women, like a number of our nurses, if we'd had... Uh, starting much earlier, they may have been able to play golf and then do an afternoon shift at hospital. So mm. just the roadshow sort of made us start thinking about that, that we don't, we can make minor changes that will make us more appealing to a number of people. And I guess we were just, so we've gone on from that and the realisation we have something like 90 uh, women members, but we have over 600 male members. And so it's really important that we, if we wouldn't have a golf club if we didn't have all the male members, if that makes sense too. Like yeah. you can't run a golf club for just ninety people or, or not the sort of golf club that we want to belong to that's got such good conditions, etc. So starting with small things but to try and make golf more appealing to whoever is interested in playing. So I noticed that Joe, I think it's Joe Sinnott, the uh the general yes, manager. Our the, manager. Yeah, and the president, uh who's uh Phil De Rouge. Um, yes. They seem to be, for a word that gets bandied around our office a little bit now, they seem to be champions of change um, for the men's side oh, yes. as well. Yes. Yeah, no, we are really fortunate to have both of them at uh, Neanger because they are really willing to listen and and uh, take on board and, I mean, and often come up with wonderful ideas themselves. So we're very fortunate to have, I think, a very uh, committed group of people involved on the board and helping and we all are with that make me anger as as good as it can be uh now that includes things like non gender specific tees too jenny i i I just can't believe that any club wouldn't look at that and think that's a great idea, not think it's a great oh, idea well see and again, and this is where look we did brave new world we we started this about February after the world handicapping system came in. we did choose your own adventure and uh look. But sadly, we only got two or three weeks of it and then COVID started and we are still not sharing equipment or whatever. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was fantastic. We have a shorter yellow course that for some of our older women, that's terrific to play. And whereas some of our stronger golfers might like to play the blue course. So to me, it was fantastic. And you could sort of, my handicap varied depending which course I was playing and, and it was I think it's fantastic. Yes, would really encourage all clubs to consider that. That's awesome. Now, just more broadly, Jenny, about the beautiful Nyanga Park, uh, you're not just doing the uh, structural stuff and the constitutional stuff. You've got a lot going on physically there as well. Um, I'd love to get an update from you, if you don't mind, about the the new driving range and also the the par three, the pitch and putt course coming along. Yes, yes. Um, Our driving range, Driving range is fantastic. We've been running some little um, little clinics on the weekend, and we've been like the driving range has only just recently opened for public use, and so we're down there, and it's fantastic. Those goalposts, and we were trying to hit kick or hit goals on Sunday for chocolate frogs, which was well received. <laughs> so the driving range is fantastic, and the pitch and pot not yet open, but it is looking magnificent. It will be fantastic. So what? that's a nine-hole course, and it's a, a simple, um, they're all short par threes, is that right? Yeah, yes, yes, and, and I, 
I, I believe 40 to 70 metres, that, uh, roughly, and yes, nine holes, uh, one across water, like, and they're really, really pretty and undulating green. They'll be, they'll be uh, very enjoyable, good fun. So what, what's the club expecting out of that, Jenny? You, you've obviously got some sort of marketing plan or business plan, I should say, around it. What, what are you expecting to have happen there? Is it new clientele or is it um, just well, another outlet for existing members? No, no, certainly hoping new clientele, like certainly for existing members. But part of that Vision 2025, short-form golf. So sort of it's our hope that we might be able to start par three, like mini golf, where people might just have to come for an hour to see if they Mm. enjoy it. So we're hoping it can be very appealing for people who are golfers, but also that it might attract people because helping beginner women golfers like it's getting distance that is really challenging whereas if you can go on to a pitch and putt and sort of enjoy some success you might then feel well I might take this game up this could be really good mm. and you'd be, you'd be I guess willing in that listening to your talk you might be willing to you know host some school clinics and things like that so. oh, look I'm sure a lot Dean our uh, the club professional yes I'm sure that's all in his, um, in his mind as well we think about Maybe when, when the coring happens to the greens, we could be doing a nine hole on the main course and do nine holes on the pitch and putt, and that could be our 18 holes for the day. I'm sure we're planning a you know, sort of novelty event. What it, like to get people using it, enjoying it, and then hoping that they will bring more people along. Yeah, so it's, it's servicing the existing but attracting the new. Well, that's what we're hoping, yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, I'd be... One last question to ask of you. I assume that, uh, I don't know if you know him personally, but I'm assuming the club is very proud of Lucas Herbert in particular and the way, oh, he's, gosh, yes. the way he's going around yeah. the, the, the universe. And, and, you know, everyone gets lost, uh, sort of like footballers. They get lost from where they originally come because they get swallowed up by bigger clubs, etc. But um, I know that he's a very proud Bendigo boy in heart and he's uh, well looked upon by all those at Nianga Park still. Oh, gosh, yes. And, and again, I don't actually know Lucas. I know his mother, but I don't actually know Lucas. But we all own him. We think he's ours, <laughs> yes. We're very, we're very proud of him. Uh, very, very, very good. It's a great club. I know from personal experience how... how uh, how much passion they all have for the sport of golf. And I, I encourage people to listen uh, or to read, I should say, on the Golf Australia website, the fantastic story that Seren Bettino has written uh, about the philosophers of Nianga Park and just the vision um, that they all have for the future of the sport. Jenny, thank you so much. Congratulations on the victory. We hope, wish you well for the big prize at the end of the year. I'm sure you're not in it for the prizes because you've already won a fair bit. So well done. Terrific. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. That's Jenny Brown from the Nyanga Park Golf Club, uh, the winner of the April edition of Visionary of the Year. And we'll be back after this break with more from Blakey and Mari. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the road. Welcome back to the show. A couple of other bits and pieces before we get out of here. Anything you want to kick the last segment off with? Uh I mentioned before the PGA Championships on next week at Kiowa. Have you ever played there? Anyway? No, but I've seen it on television. You don't. I, no, I haven't. You I thought, thought I was going to. I thought you were about to. I've got a mate who lives not far from there, an Australian mate, yeah. and he's definitely played it. I love the look of it. It's a great looking yeah, track, Pete, Pete yeah. Dyer. I just read a thing this morning, Andy, about the length that they've got that course. They've added two hundred yards to the normal, you know, members' golf course. So seven, eight, seven, six yards. It's the longest cha- uh, major championship course in history. Oh, okay. 
Well, that's so, becoming... It's the ball. Yeah. Well, of and course. The yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's becoming the norm now, isn't it? I mean, we'd be seen to probably be pushing that, um, the right for a tournament to hold that status as the longest ever. We seem to be pushing that back every year or two because of the demands of uh, organisers to set courses up to, you know, cope with it all. So, uh, well, well, we'll see how, we'll see how they do. If the conditions get windy down there, which they can, if it does get oh, hit, absolutely. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that does. So uh, Jordan Spieth will be playing there, mm. but did you know that Jordan Spieth had COVID? He's revealed this this morning. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Jordan Spieth went missing for a little while after the Masters. He took a, a week off. Yeah. He also got COVID. So he's had, there's been a few. That hadn't been reported, had it? No, he, he mentioned it at a press conference. So he'd be the 20. So yeah. His symptoms weren't too strong. He said he felt a bit off for a couple of days. Yeah. And then he obviously had to isolate. And he had the test and it was positive. So, yeah, Jordan Spieth had, had COVID. So I think he's the 20. I think we talked about this very briefly a couple of weeks ago. That More than 20? It was 26, I reckon, at Adam the time. Scott, of course. Yeah, he had it. So yeah. 26 players under the PGA to testing regime yeah. that they'd put into place had tested positive. So, I'm, well, Spieth, Spieth now becomes a 27 that we know of. So um, he's back and that's fine and he'll play on and uh, he'll get over it all. Did you happen to see any of the – so the Americans beat um, – uh, the UK and Ireland, uh, GB and Ireland, uh, fourteen twelve at Seminole. Seminole. Yep, uh, they were all sick. Yeah, hey? I think seven players on each team were. They, they had a gastro thing go through. <laughs> I didn't know that. They had multiple uh, sicknesses on both sides. Right. Okay. Uh, and they had to swing in a lot of alternative players and stuff like that, and make agreements about who could play and stuff like that, because mm. they had guys, you know, spending a lot of time in the bathroom. Well, make sure you change the white pants to the dark blue pants. Well, yes, if, definitely. Yeah, wearing those. If so something got... really upset you about this. Well, it did. I mean, so who runs the Walker Cup? Under the auspices well, of what governing bodies is that it's the sort contested? Of, it's kind of the amateur, sort of junior amateur sort of version of the Ryder Cup. So the r and and the USGA. So they set the rules of the game. They're yeah. the two bodies that sort of set the rules of golf. Stuart Hagerstad, who I think he was playing in his Karemi for a while. I think he was playing in his third uh, Walker Cup team. Uh, will probably turn pro. You know that's what he'll do. Made the winning putt. Now that's great. Good on Stewie. Well done. Tournaments run by the RNA and the USGA. Got the long putter. It look, just go and have a look. If you if you want to make up your own mind on whether this kid was anchoring or this young man was anchoring or not. You can go and have a look. But it looked like an anchor to at least 50% of us who watched. It, it was the, the top hand is resting on his, whatever that is, the chest plate. It was just ridiculous. And you've got the two organising bodies there yeah. who just are turning, seemingly turning a blind eye. Now, maybe... So the way the rules are framed, it, it has to be like an accidental brushing yes, against the chest I know. is okay yes, under I the know. rules. I'm not, I'm not saying that's good. I mean, I think they should make it just that the putter's the shortest club in the bag. But or just if yeah. you're going to do that, if you get it away, get it right away from the body. If you just yeah. like the long, well, Adam Scott, you know, he's a fair way away. Isn't yeah. He? Like, yeah. Well, no, he's no had one... to adjust. Yeah. But this, this look, Hagerstad had it, it, it to all intents and purposes. The the left hand knuckle of his thumb, the thumb knuckle of his left hand was was on his shirt. And did they make commentary on it in the Well, of course they the don't. Coverage? Well, I didn't see much of it, but no, no, no. It's produced by the yeah, it's ruling all, bodies. Of course. You say all the seen... nice things. You never say anything that's a bit interesting. How dare you say that? <laughs> we, we've, uh, we've seen this in, on the senior tour, haven't we? We've mm-hmm. got players that 
that we are, have that are you know appear to be anchoring at the very least. So um, why would you why would you even allow that to? And the perception of it, perception, like it just, yeah. just changed the thing. Yeah. Um, so there was that was something. The, the have you been following the the evolving conversation around uh, the Premier Golf League and the Super Golf League? Yeah. So now we've got these. These are both it's still the Super on. Golf League. Super Golf League. What did I say? It's Super Golf League. No, no. But the Premier Golf League was the first, or Premier League Golf, I should say. Aren't they the same? Thing? No, they're not. And this has been clarified during the week. Right. One is so Premier League Golf was initially set up with some Saudi backing. The Saudi backing dropped out and it's now been set now it's being run by about see sort of twenty mystery financiers out of the, with UK and US sort of sporting connections. The Super Golf League, it is the Saudi backed um, rival. And the Premier League Golf is suggesting that the Saudi operation has basically just stolen their blueprint and is is right. is setting up its own and the saudi plans are look they're all to be determined but the stuff that's leaking out about it the scope of what they want to do the courses they're going to build the jobs they're going to cre- and this is the sweetener the jobs they're going to create but it's all it's all you know there's 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 other uh, agendas as part of all but they're still both running alongside one another apparently so this continues to be um a work in progress and whether they one or both of them or neither eventually comes to fruition, we'll continue to uh, watch. But we're starting to understand a bit more about both of those. Yep. Also, Jeff Shackelford, I read him sort of yeah. routinely. He um, put out a, a, a US pandemic a golf business update. Golf in America, the business of golf, I saw this is absolutely booming. Yeah. Tournaments played, apparel being bought, all most of it online being generated online, but. All the big companies, Titleist, Footjoy, Kushner, Callaway, through the roof. Stocks are soaring. Um, business, you know, up 20, 25, 30% through the pandemic. And the rounds being played, according to Golf Data Tech, um, which Shackelford quoted, are up 24% in America, even though it's... On, on this time last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so we're, we're not quite that high in Australia, but we're up to pushing up towards 20%. It, so, ha- it just underlines, doesn't it, the way that golf has been... COVID helped golf. It has. It's the weirdest thing, but yeah. COVID, you know, it, it, it hurt in certain ways. Mm. Uh, you know, there's people have lost their jobs and stuff like that last year, including at Golf Australia. But uh, in other ways, in terms of getting people out on the golf course and the business of golf, mm. it's actually helped. Uh, because people realise that golf is terrifically safe. Mm. You're getting outdoors, and you're, you're never going to get. You're not going to get a uh, you know a virus out on the golf course. I don't think. No, we you shouldn't. No, yeah. no, you shouldn't. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Got one more Go on. uh, hole in one story. That uh, thanks very much to Clint Young, who's the secretary at Woodburn Evans Head Veterans Golf Club, which Beautiful is up, up towards. Beautiful. Evans Head, magnificent part of the world. Mm. So at the NRVGA Championships, which is the Northern Rivers Veterans, at Casino on the 2nd of November last year, I've got an update on this, but the 2nd of November, uh, a veteran called Kim Kane, uh, apologies if I mispronounced that, Kane or Keen, Keen or Kane, Kane I think it is, he had had a hole in one on the 12th hole at Casino in November last year. Then he goes back to an interclub at Woodburn Evans Head yesterday in the veterans, and aces the same hole. Come He's played on, two competition rounds 
at Casino in the last few months, and both times he aced the 12th. So Hit the same club both times? I don't know. Oh, come on. Give us some detail. Sorry about that. Come on, Clint, can, uh, Clint Young. Can you give us some more detail on that, please? It'll be much appreciated. So look, um, that's it. We're done. Well done, mate. Good to see you. Martin Blake you joining us again. Uh, heaps to look forward to in the coming weeks in golf. We'll be chatting about it all here on Inside the Ropes. Thanks for being part of it this week. Enjoy your week in golf, folks.